Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And this week we are going back to um, some familiar territory for us. We're going back to some horror films. And we're also going back to some Stephen King adjacent material. So we're, we're in a bit of a wheelhouse for us. Um, we are talking about Pet Cemetery 2. Not to be confused with that remake that came out last year that everybody kind of forgot about. Pet Cemetery 2 is from 1992. It is directed by Mary Lambert, who directed the original, um, written by Richard Uten, and um, you know it's like follows up the Stephen King story, um, and it's a film that stars Edward Furlong, Anthony Edwards, Clancy Brown, Jason McGuire, Daryl Ann Flugel. Maybe it's Flugel. If it's not, I don't know. I'm I'm sorry. I, every once in a while, I butcher a name, and I feel kind of bad about it, and I just don't know what to do. <laughs> um, Lisa Waltz and uh, Sarah Trigger. So, um, figure we just kind of dive right in. I feel like we've done a lot of the work of setting up where we're at with like Stephen King stuff already. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that at all. I feel like we had kind of covered it. No, oh, yeah, I think we're good, man. I uh, I love him. I read a lot of his books. I've seen a lot of the movies that are and aren't based on his material. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm super excited whenever we get to the uh, Stephen King adjacent or Stephen King, uh, what's closer than adjacent? Parallel? Now that's still like next to. Well, I think that that's what it is though, because it's like this isn't like he didn't write it. So it's no, 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 but like I'm, I'm trying to say like I'm excited when we do Stephen King adjacent stuff, but I'm also excited when it's like on top, like it's not adjacent, it's that just sounds like Stephen King stuff. I don't is there I don't understand the I know the well, I know, I know it is, making. but I thought there should be like a word for it. I think it's I think it's just Stephen King stuff. I think it's okay, just well, three words. I dropped my pen. All right, well I like I like the three word stuff and then I also like the four word stuff. I like it all. So, what is your familiarity with uh Pet Cemetery itself? I think you mentioned it when I asked you to pick your favorite Stephen King movies, I think Pet Cemetery was in the mix. You know what? I think it was actually the one, uh, the co- the the couple, perhaps even the few that I left out. I might have mentioned it later in the episode, or yeah. I might have mentioned it to you later on. Um, and the reason I did that is because I really, really love this movie. Um, I think it's it's probably like top five, top ten horror movies of all time for me. The original Pet Cemetery. Um, I love that it's a it's a total kitchen sink movie. It has so many different horrific uh, <clears throat> subgenres within it, but it's all it's all tied to these characters and this singular story so well that while you're watching it, you don't realize it's doing so much. You know, I I only realize that it's such a a busy, complicated movie on maybe my third or fourth watch through it. And the reason I had watched it three or four times is just because the story to begin with is so strong. And then, and then after seeing it more and more, I, I really started to realize why I love it. So there's just so much in that original Pet Cemetery movie that I'm really into. And I, I didn't see it when I was a kid either. You know, I came to it pretty late. I, I double featured it in my first year of university with another Stephen King movie called Silver Bullet. 
and I liked that one far less. So uh, I wasn't just like in a Stephen King mood or something. This one really hit me, and I've come back to it a bunch of times since. I've shown it to a lot of people. Um, and because of that, I had seen this movie before. I watched it in 2017, October. I watched it with a roommate of mine. I think he had told me he remembered seeing it on cable when he was a kid or something, and I was unfamiliar with it. So I checked it out then, and uh, this was the first time I had watched it since then. What about you? What, what do you know about Pet um, Cemetery? Well, I was actually going to ask if you could talk a little bit about that first movie and sort of explain, like both the story a bit just to set us up but also the kitchen sink angle you mean because i haven't seen it and people listening maybe also have not seen it sure yeah so the story is that um a doctor and his family move to a country home near maine they come from the city and and they move into a home really close to a highway and pretty early on in the movie their cat their beloved cat church gets hit by a semi truck because semi trucks are always racing on the road outside this house and so um the dad decides at the advice of his very elderly neighbor to bury the cat in a place um, that is a bit beyond the pet cemetery, the place where the kids bury all their pets in this area. If you go a little bit beyond that, you get to an Indian burial ground where it's rumored that uh, you bury something there and it comes back. And so the dad does this, the cat comes back, it seems kind of off. And then eventually one of the children gets hit by the same semi maybe not the same semi truck <laughs> the exact hit, hit. same driver <laughs> this dude yeah it's it's actually a slasher film all about this <laughs> semi truck driver um the, uh, one of the kids dies so then the very distraught dad goes up and buries the kid in this pet cemetery um and he too comes back different than he once was and in about the last 20 minutes 30 minutes uh is when you kind of get the outcome of that and the reason it's such a kitchen sink movie to me is because the the real thrust of the movie that a kid is buried and it's this this dad dealing with trauma and grief and and the death of a loved one that stuff comes really late and so in the last 20 30 minutes or so it becomes a sort of stock and kill slasher movie but before that you get um elements of body horror there's a backstory to the the wife's character um that haunts her very often something that had to do with her sister and it's um it's not supernatural at all and it's just it's something that really really bothers her and you get flashback sequences and um you also have uh like cat jump scares because the first 45 minutes or so is is just this this cat kind of lurking around the house um and then you also get this ghostly specter that is following the dad around because it's this kid who was also killed in an accident that the doctor was not able to save and so he keeps seeing this this rotting ghost around telling him to not go into the pet cemetery and um and then there's also the uh family drama sort of social horror of after the kid dies but before he's brought back you get the the parents dealing with this grief and the what the wife's family comes to visit and you get a really really uh horrific funeral scene where um 
the the husband and his father-in-law kind of just go at it and they knock over the boy's casket and it's oh just God. it's it's so heavy and then um and then laced through all of that it's just this really uh really sweet story about this family kind of trying to establish their roots in a life that uh is different than what they're used to and so you get a lot of cool shots of the forest and you get a lot of uh neighborly talk from from this elderly dude who who lives near them just kind of telling stories about his past and um about all he's lived through and it's just it, it's a movie that flies by whenever i watch it and it has such a great progression when you get to those last 30 minutes of uh of the kid really coming back and, and doing some harm. Um, it just, it feels like such a, such a payoff. And um, I also ought to mention that it, it does have some of the scariest moments I've ever seen in a horror movie. And again, that's super particular and subjective, but there's some stuff with, um, with the, the wife's sister that I talked about, the, the sort of body horror mm-hmm. stuff that is just, it's filmed in, in such a cool way. They got a male actor to play this uh, female who's scu- suffering from um, like MS or something. She, she has some sort of uh, degenerative disease and they really wring some, some terrifying uh, scenes and shots out of that. And I also think the child performance is great to the kid who plays the, uh, the, the one who gets got when he comes back and, and has to be possessed. It's just this young dude. I think the actor is like three years old or something, but it's done. It's done <laughs> it so well. Ever been called a dude. <laughs> uh, I have a three-year-old nephew and yeah, I- <laughs> say he's been called a dude before. Myth busted. <laughs> yeah, the child performance um, is just is so so great, and there, it's you know it's just one of those movies that kind of hits me in all the right ways, and I I really really dig it. That's awesome, and that's that's some super helpful setup because uh, I I mentioned the the remake from last year, um, and I know that that remake changes some like very fundamental things about the story, but. It's also just like the least memorable movie I've ever seen because you were just explaining the plot to me again and it was like I had never heard it before. I've seen a movie where all of those things happen and I just couldn't yeah. remember at all. So um, I'm going into this with like a loose familiarity um, and I found that sometimes imagery in Pet Cemetery 2 would... Uh, stir in my mind some stuff from the remake uh very rarely not i would i would love to know what that is as it comes up if you if you got anything i think what's more likely is the remake intentionally shot itself to look like that rather than it's doing something i don't know but um that aside i didn't know anything about this before we uh landed on watching it and i watched it um just a little while ago so it's super fresh thankfully i'll at least remember this one if i can't remember the remake and um as our resident stephen king aficionado i want to give you the chance to set up pet cemetery 2 a bit and tell us what you thought or tell me what you thought there's nobody else here the the deal with pet cemetery 2 is that it doesn't follow any of the same characters from the original story they're all new characters um it, it takes place in a rural area as well the, the same area from the first one and Blood the Blood. events 
That's right. And the events of the first movie are mentioned a couple times. So it, it is a sequel in that regard. But um, it's it's you know, completely a fresh story that just plays with the idea of you bury something in uh, some like cursed ground and then it comes back evil. And, it's, you know, it's a pretty it's a pretty basic concept. And um, uh, from there, it's it's pretty different than the original movie, I think, whereas they both have a lot going on. They both um there's kind of always something happening and they're, they're both trying a lot of different things. I think the first one, perhaps just because it's based on a novel, you know, a 500 page novel where this stuff is really focused and fleshed out. It, it feels much more linear than this movie. Um, this movie opens with uh, a death in a family, a natural death. And then from there on, it kind of turns into uh. a, uh, that's one way of putting natural death. I mean, it was an accident, and somebody got electrocuted to death. I don't know if that's a natural death. I mean, considering like we, we see people get killed by resurrected dogs with glowing eyes, uh, I think it's, it's pretty scale. much it's the it's most natural scale. thing we see in the movie. Uh, and then from there, it, 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 it focuses on the kid in the movie, played by Edward Furlong, and it's, uh, it's very much the story of him and his friend as they're kind of trying to use this pet cemetery to make their lives a bit more bearable, because they're both having a tough time. You know, Edward Furlong's mom died, um, and the other kid is being abused by his stepfather. And so th they try to use this pet cemetery to help them out a little bit. Um, and uh, it, it backfires on him, yeah. you know. I like, how you're, I like how you're playing coy. Like, we're not about to talk about the plot in, like, its totality. Um, that's really funny to me. But um, with that setup out of the way, I would love for you to tell me what you think about Pet Cemetery 2. Well, I feel... Uh, about it pretty much the same way I did uh, two years ago in October 2017 where I saw this for the first time and that like uh, it doesn't really thrill me uh, it, it kind of bums me out just because it's it's doing a lot of stuff and it's a lot of stuff that I can see like really hooking other people because it's uh it's like kind of goofy and fun and there's there's some choices in it that uh make it stand out from other movies, you know, the music is very uh, bad, bad and laughable <laughs> and bad and uh, bad and, and then, bad. And then you have like Mr. Krabs. He plays the villain in this movie Perfect. and he's just For, like, oh, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's and, so he's, good. and he's he's just being like super like hammy and funny and like, and fucking sticking his tongue out just all over the place just being yeah weird and then dude. and like that's cool and then you have like some outlandish bullies that are that are kind of cool and, and funny i guess so like there's there's certainly stuff here that um that is like it's never a boring movie to watch there, there's a lot going on and i've actually heard from someone on a, a different podcast i listened to uh 
it's called uh, This Is Rad is the podcast. And the dude um, recommended that anyone should check out Pet Cemetery 2 because it's, he says it's far better than the first one. He says he absolutely loves it. And I think that's the reason I got excited to see it two years ago, actually. And it just it doesn't hit me in that way, man. Like, I watched this um, a few days ago, and it was like watching it for the first time again. I didn't remember anything from seeing it in 2017 besides that Mr. Krabs was the villain and I don't think I'm going to remember a whole lot about it in the months coming up I think the problem is just that the first movie for me is like is so defined in the story it's telling and then it hits all these distinct beats from all these different subgenres in a way that really adds to that story whereas in this movie there's just there's just so many like disparate parts going on that are that are stuffed together in like a uh in kind of a goofy campy film that it, it feels very much like a like a third movie like it feels like it's closing a trilogy and this is only the second movie like it 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 feels like Spider-Man 3 or it feels like Scream 3 where it's just like the seriousness and the sincerity of the original story has already been exhausted. We don't know what else to do, so we're just kind of going to kind of be like goofy and wild and have some fun with it. And sometimes that really works, um, but in all of those cases, Scream 3 and Spider-Man 3, uh, they're movies that like I... I can recall moments and um, say that I had fun with them and I wouldn't call any of them awful, but they're just so disconnected from what I love about the original films. And then if I take it just separate from the original film, it is, it's just, it's nothing for me to uh, really get behind. It's, it's kind of just a, uh, a middle of the road horror movie. Um, But, you know, I'm seeing this a week after seeing cats. And so, (laughs) Like I definitely, I Everything had it. Everything is being g- viewed through a post-cats lens. Oh, that's right. And so, like, I had a good time with it, and I'm always gonna remember this as like the movie that that brought me back from Cats and reminded me that like horror movies exist and that like if traditionally anything, narrative movie movies exist. Truly proves that cats are not dogs. Yeah, yeah and dogs true. are not cats. Yeah. Uh, so in summary, it's just uh, it doesn't upset me the way cats did. So it's certainly <laughs> it's it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. But uh, I I don't really have a whole lot to get behind here on this. Um. Movie. Yeah, this movie's like um, for a while I kind of felt like using the word mess was too strong a word, but no, it's definitely a bit of a mess. And I just I I couldn't. I couldn't follow like why things were happening and I I don't know how much the original would have helped me here but like both in character motivation terms but also like just how the pet cemetery works terms like I couldn't understand why like so there's a point where like Gus who is Clancy Brown who is the sheriff of the town and also um I should set this up first. So we have Edward Furlong, who is playing a character named Jeff. His dad, Chase, is a vet. They moved to this town because his mom, Renee, who was an actress, died on a cheap-looking castle set because of an electrocution accident um, while holding on to some metal bars. He moves to this town. He meets Drew, who is the stepson of Gus the Sheriff. 
Uh, I don't know why they have the same last name if they're step related because this kid's like 13 years old. He makes a point that it's definitely his stepdad, but they definitely have the same last name in the credits. I don't know. I don't make the rules. Um, and once they move into this town, they get this house uh, and they have a housekeeper named Marjorie who is barely in the movie at all. And her only importance is that she looks a lot like the mom. And um, like you said, the pet cemetery is sort of established and there's like Clyde and his gang of weird shitty bullies. And um, Drew, who is uh, Edward Furlong's character's friend, uh, has a dog that his shitty stepdad kills and then they resurrect that and then on halloween night the dog accidentally kills gus so they resurrect him and then uh gus is cool for a while then kills clyde who was bullying jeff resurrects that body later goes on like a killing spree chase kills drew and his mom amanda by driving them into the oncoming path of a pickup of like a big truck. And then the dad is kind of in on it because he heard from another guy who was probably in the last movie who does taxidermy that he should get the fuck out of Dodge. And then the mom, not in the last movie, not in the last movie, but then uh, Gus who used to date Jeff's mom in like high school resurrects her but Jeff also wants that, but then Jeff doesn't want that. And then there's a confrontation where the housekeeper was like pretending to be the mom. And then the mom resurrected shows back up, kills her. Then there's a fight. Then the movie ends. And obviously I'm leaving stuff out, but I'm trying to illustrate that. Like, it's very confusing why things are happening and why things are happening the way they're happening. Um, you also mentioned something that I was going to point out, which is that the music fucking sucks so bad god the music sucks so bad um there's a song that comes on where um the lyrics that you can hear because for some reason all these fucking songs have lyrics is like is like i want to die like jesus christ i want (laughs) to die with like spikes or whatever the fuck the words are and it's just like wow this is on the nose and bad so in a similar like almost kitchen sink kind of way it's throwing like Family drama at you, body hoarder at you, for sure. Um, fucking, like, a vague zombie undertone, because there's a lot of people getting bit by a guy. Uh, there's, like, dream sequences. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a school drama, too, because there's just, like, kids getting bullied, you know? Yeah, we don't get um, a relevant lecture, unfortunately, but, um, you know not every movie can check every box. And I think I just came, I came away with it. Like there's stuff to have fun with because at a certain point, the movie decides to do a complete like tonal 180 and stops trying to take itself seriously at all. And when it commits, which is pretty much from the moment Gus is resurrected in the pet cemetery, it's at least fun, but it's still muddled and confusing and like not really all that, satisfying to watch like you can laugh at some of it but you're just kind of like what what's happening i think the biggest takeaway is that clancy brown is like a a fucking legend uh because his performance goes completely off the rails there's a point where he's inside of like a flaming house surrounded by like skinned rabbits and jeff's dad is confronting him 
and Jeff's dad shoots him, and his response is to laugh and say, I hate it when that happens, and then he attempts to drill <laughs> through his dad's skull. <laughs> Yeah, at that point, it was kind of, that was when I started to realize, like, oh, I hate it when he's like, this happened, you know? Like, it just, at that point, it, it feels... like the movie gave up. And they're like, yeah, we're like, just going to do this it's, now. It's just really tired, like, it's it's using the Pet cemetery concept as a conduit to just get someone to act wild, you know? There are movies that do this in all sorts of ways, you but know? But not just, in, you like, an understandable way. Like, so, that's what I wanted to ask. If you resurrect something in the pet cemetery does it become like dedicated to you or something because for some reason so drew because you have to bury like what you're related to like jeff couldn't bury gus but drew can um i'd love to know if that counts because it's a stepdad that's just a fun joke for <laughs> well they have the same now. last name I, they do and i don't know why but um maybe it's a coincidence who knows but um so <laughs> so there's a point where like Gus is resurrected and he's being cool with Drew at home cuz he's like a real fucking mean piece of shit. Like he doesn't like he doesn't let Drew's dog inside. Um he like owns a bunch of rabbits. He's just he's just kind of like a, the rabbits aren't like character <laughs> indicator. I don't know why. Dude, of all the things you could have said as to why he's a bad guy, he doesn't let the dog in the house. I want to remind everyone at home, it's the fucking dog. But now he doesn't let the dog in the house, and also he owns rabbits. Okay, okay. Right. He doesn't beat me. the shit out of his wife or rape her or anything. Hang he on. just owns rabbits. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a lot to get to, but yeah, he also like abuses his wife and stepson like seemingly regularly like he straight up punches drew in the face in the pet cemetery and then goes to like beat him over the head with a crucifix and the resurrected the resurrected version of gus also does rape drew's mom amanda and it's not clear why and i don't like the scene is in the movie for no reason because there's no reason it doesn't illustrate anything at all about resurrected Gus versus regular Gus. Like, maybe that he's impulsive or mean to his wife now, but it seems like he was a pretty fucking shitty guy before. So it feels like they're just using that because it's shocking, and it's like, fucking stop. Like, that's such an inappropriate use of that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think a big issue I have with this movie is that it has a bad guy from the very beginning. You know, the original Pet Cemetery, it has a bad guy in the last 30 minutes or so, and it's an innocent child, and so it's terrifying to see a child be compelled to do evil things. But in this, we actually, like, the the ultimate evil uh, isn't, is a like, that different dad. from what we experienced in the beginning. It's just now he can get shot and it doesn't hurt him, you know? But that's, that's but, not but particularly scary. But it does hurt him. Like, it gets, he gets shot and it hurts him less, but he still dies again. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I don't like that the that this movie doesn't have rules. Because, like, I don't know. I feel like horror works well with rules. Like, you have an understanding of what things can and can't do. I don't know. For example, it's like Freddy Krueger, intimidating guy. Mostly in the dream world. Like, he can do dream shit. But if you get him in the real world, he got a chance. And you can understand that. And you're like, great, got it. Time to climb up some gooey stairs or whatever. But, like, with this, it just feels like things are just sort of happening. 
with no real like rhyme or reason. Like the bully characters are just bullies because the movie needed bullies. So they're like, oh, what, new kid in town and his mom just died? I'm going to go hate him. And um, Gus already sucks and then just sucks more in a different way, but is just goofier later. I still don't know why he kills Clyde, the bully, and then resurrects him. And then Clyde is in that final encounter on like yeah. with the mom. Yeah, that's when it. That's when the Spider-Man Three thing popped into mind because it's like this movie has too many villains, you know. Well, I it, it just. No, I, I have no idea why that needed to happen. So like, we get the sense that the mom was resurrected by Gus and not Jeff. First of all, I don't know why that counts. He didn't kill her, and it's not his own. So I don't know why he can even do that. Maybe but because he it. had sex with her back in the day. That's it follows rules at that point. And that's not what this movie is. I don't, because they haven't set anything up that would make that be how this works. So they're just kind of fucking throwing spaghetti at the wall at that point. But so then there's like a final confrontation in this attic while the dad is gone fighting Je uh, fighting Gus initially. Marjorie, who is the housekeeper that looks like the mom, is obsessed with this fucking dress and it's so funny that they set it up and everything in the beginning of the movie and you're like why the fuck does she care so like she cares so much about this dress that she's like re-traumatizing a 13 year old by just not giving a shit um and you're like okay whatever and then she like gets dressed like the mom and then the mom arrives kills her jeff shows back up and the dad is there fighting the mom and then clyde as like a weird zombie looking guy because resurrected shows up with an axe and starts like throwing that fucking thing around. And then the mom starts to melt because she lit a fire and it's not clear why she lit a fire. She does say dead is better, which I know is from the original thing. It's not clear why she says that. I don't know if her goal is like she wants to kill everybody in the room and then they can be together because it seems like she just wanted Jeff to stay in the room because they could be together because she's alive again. But then she starts to like melt and then uh, turns into a skeleton. And also Clyde's head explodes because he gets a, an elect like a live wire shoved in his mouth. Um, and for anybody listening who hasn't seen this movie and you're confused, you're not that much better off than if you saw it. What we've glossed over in a lot of this is um, setup mostly of like, here's the town. Here's the people. Here's how these relationships work. We're going to push those forward until we can bury something. And then it just kind of gradually goes further and further off the rails. But it definitely lacks like a center cohesion that um just sort of makes it very confusing. And again, like Clancy Brown, who I think who I think is the only performance of note, he's able to be like the shitty stern dad and then pivot to like deranged goofy maniac man also really well and it's funny and he's like real goofy and he's saying all kinds of dumb shit but um it just doesn't feel like it goes together i don't know we don't know we just don't know how'd you feel about edward furlong that's something we can talk about that's a little more concrete <laughs> this dude's coming uh, off t2 hot shit big career <laughs> ahead of him decides to do pet cemetery too for some reason don't know why you would do that <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, and then he pops up again in Detroit Rock City, and that's about <laughs> all we get from him. And then he uh, he makes his big return in Terminator Dark Fate, right? And is he in it? And he uh, yeah, I've heard he makes an appearance. Is but, it a cameo you know. or is he like in it? I don't know. I don't know. We'll never Someone know because the nobody podcast, saw so Terminator no. Dark Fate. Nah. God, are we uh, gonna have to watch Terminator Dark Fate? That's they made another one as fuck, dude. That's true. Oh boy. Yeah, I'll put it on the list. Edward Furlong cast. Um, <laughs> no, I I didn't think Edward Furlong was uh was super um like he's he was like a child star, right? Like I haven't seen T two, so I guess like he kills it in that, and so like people he's were like, yo, T2. he's the guy. But uh, I, I don't get that from him here. I think he, he has a good luck to him. Um, he looks so maybe like it's the just... angstiest teen in the world. And it's great. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it must just be the material. Um, and even if it's not just the material, uh, the material isn't helping. Because the material here is really bad. All the, the script, dialogue... The script is bad. I actually have some choice dialogue cuts. But there's one in particular that stuck out to me. If, if you don't mind indulging me saying it. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, so Drew asks Jeff something like, sometimes I wish Gus was dead. And Jeff is like, dude, you shouldn't say that about your parents. Not even about your dad. Hey, Jeff, his dad's one of his parents. What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? What does that mean, Jeff? Yeah, it's not, is, it's not super good. You shouldn't say that about your parents. Not even your dad. Also... At one point, Clyde is riding a bike with a stolen kitten, and he pulls the kitten out of his pocket, holds it in front of his face, and says, You having fun yet? To the kitten? Just wanted people to know that. Please continue. Uh, well, the dialogue, it's, no, it's just, it's really poor. Um, none of it really tells you anything about these characters, even when uh, some emotional stuff happens, you know. Uh, Drew's dog gets shot by his stepdad. We don't really... We don't really get a lot from Drew in those moments. You know, he's like kind of bummed. Like he's he's kind of just uh... he's doing a good job looking kind of sad, but he, he's not given <laughs> anything to say. Yeah, and I guess I just I just figure he uh, he should be more than like just kind of sad. You know, the the thrust of the original movie is that like a pet dies, and so the dad needs to bury this pet because the kid is gonna go ape shit if they learn that their kid died and. I think Drew uh, is old enough to have enough agency that, you know, he should be really upset about this, if not at his stepdad, because he's terrified of his stepdad and his stepdad is going to abuse him. That's fine. But, like, he should be more uh, emotional about it to his friend, uh, Jeff. And I think when Drew sees Jeff for the first time, he just says, my dog is dead. You want to you wanna help me bury it? You know, it's not, dude, my like, stepdad fucking killed my dog. You yeah. know, nothing like that. Well, and they set up, like, these to be kind of, like, like mouthy teens, if you know what I mean. So, I was like, you would expect them to kind of be, like, overreacting in that way. Or it's like, man, can you believe this shit? My stepdad shot my dog. But he's just like, my dog died. And also, um... He's completely covered in blood, and Jeff doesn't ask a single fucking question. Yeah, yeah, they just, they don't feel like real kids at all. It sort of feels like the actors were, like, getting paid based on, like, emotion, and the <laughs> filmmakers wanted to save a lot of money, so they were like, yeah, you guys don't have to say this with any emotion, and also we, um, we're not going to give you any lines oh, that you are know deep, what happened? because that would cost more, They too. spent their emotion quota at the beginning. Because when Jeff is screaming while he watches his mother get electrocuted to death, those are some good screams. I believe they those are. screams. 
They, they come really me, late, though. That got me really excited for it to be, like, a good performance, though. And for a while, I think I was on Edward Furlong's team, and then at a certain point, I was just like, never mind. Yeah, yeah, you know what? The exact same thing happened to me. I thought they were good screams, too. Um, but but also, just the filmmaking in that scene was, like, a is, bit suspicious to me. The, the edit, edit is, is terrible. So bad throughout and he the doesn't, movie. He doesn't start screaming until, like, 20 seconds after watching his mom get electrocuted. And it's not clear if it's, like, like an editorial choice. Like, they wanted it to be like that. There's a lot of moments, and we talked about this with um, Blair Witch 2 and Carrie 2. These 90s horror movies really got a fucking feel to them. And one of those things is really fucking absolutely insane editing choices. Her being electrocuted is, like, almost hilarious. Because of, A, the way they're, like, having her act that is just sort of rile back and forth, very, like, animated. But it's edited with both slow motion and fast motion, like, cutting between the two. And then it cuts in him screaming in slow motion, and then back to that. And yeah. there's, there's also moments of, like, there's, like, one good, there's two shots I, I remember liking. Um, one of them is the first time you see the keep out sign and it does that like push the camera in zoom out though like pull out but you're pushing the camera in and it like makes it real big and ominous great good shot everybody the other thing though is that initial nightmare that jeff has when there's like i'm pretty sure it's his mom with a dog with the dog's head in a rocking chair and he's like screaming and it looks like his bed is being like it was like the room is like stretching i liked that but mm -hmm. in a lot of these cases, those weird edit choices, whether it's like slow motion, fast motion, they just, they take you right out of whatever tone it's trying to establish because the edits are hilarious. Like you cannot take that aesthetic seriously anymore. And to be fair, I don't know if you could then, but you certainly can't now. Yeah, yeah, it really feels like the movie is kind of just stumbling around for its entire runtime and occasionally it stumbles into something that that looks nice or seems inspired and then it stumbles back into being well, and it's, flat and it's weird because yeah. it's the same director so i'm not sure what happened i know that she wanted a completely different story originally i don't know if the studio did some shit to this movie like i don't know if like i don't know if the crew got like the flu bug it's impossible <laughs> to point pinpoint blame but it just doesn't coalesce into something that is very good yeah, it, it it's you know we got to remember that Pet Cemetery made so much money. Right. They they just they needed a sequel, right? And yeah. so it it probably came together really quickly. Yeah. Um, she wanted. Well, they're three years apart, so it's not that quickly. Oh um, okay. But uh, I know that Mary Lambert wanted to do a story with um the Ellie character that survives the original movie, and they shot that down because they didn't trust that a teenage girl protagonist could carry the movie. So then they gave it to Edward Furlong, I guess. A teenage um, boy. A teenage boy. <laughs> so I don't know what the difference is. There's um, just a lot of boys in this movie, right? Boys, like you got, boys in the it's, house. It's a, it's, it's a total boys club, so I guess uh, that's, that's really unfortunate. It's almost exclusively boys, and then two of the actresses were cast because they look the same, and then there's a mom character that's given nothing to do, which is just like a fucking wreck. That's a good point. So... I certainly didn't mean to say earlier as though it sounded like that means like Mary Lambert fucking threw this movie to the dogs or anything, but like, I don't know. I wouldn't have blamed her. Cause like, I, I think 
trying to attach it more directly to the story may have also just made it more interesting. This feels like a borderline anthology at this point. And yeah, I don't know. There's some stuff in here that works for sure. And there's some stuff that's just funny. There's a point where the dad is having like a sex dream about his dead wife. And then uh, she appears with the resurrected dog's head because in reality he's getting attacked by the dog yeah that was pretty funny but yeah, like, that's cool i don't know man it feels like this movie just didn't have like a strong core totally yeah and i think i think the the book story was that for the first movie you know and then they were able to do a bunch of stuff on top of that and and that's not to say that stephen king is the heart of these movies being good because lord knows stephen king has written some terrible screenplays um that were adapted into not good movies that felt similarly very flat and stilted and not great but it's just uh, it doesn't feel like the story was here it, it feels like they saw the pet cemetery as a concept that could be used like in its most simplest of terms in order to make a horror movie like where make horrific stuff movie. happens because yeah. like that people go to see that and uh so yeah there's there's not a whole lot here um there's some production design stuff that i like i think some of the sets for however confusing sometimes it is like it's in like visually interesting the house after gus has like taken it over um it's on fire and it's completely destroyed it is like drilling a dog door together and there's like skinned rabbits like strung up throughout the house it's a fucking mess but like it's a good set um i really like the pet cemetery set itself i think it looks cool i think it's a cool location i don't know maybe we should have seen this coming because those opening credits are like campy and weird as shit yeah and i think my my big uh the big thing i'm, I'm kind of learning about this movie as we're talking about it um because the movie is so wild and there's a lot going on and i'm just confused as to why i'm not loving it the way the dude on that podcast loved it i think it's it's just that this movie ends up coming across as cheesy rather than campy you know like it's 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 doing a lot of things that uh that seem campy on paper, you know, like Mr. Krabs is, is, uh, wagging his tongue and killing people in order to bring them back. So he has like an army of dead dudes. For some reason. Also, how does he even know that that's how he came back and that's how that works? Like how, how does he have presence of mind enough to know that? Well, I don't know, but I, I think a lot of, uh, <laughs> at least two screenwriters have figured that's the case because in the remake of Pet Cemetery, the one that you've forgotten, it seems the ultimate plan of the Pet Cemetery people is also to get an army of Ugh. Pet Cemetery people. So dumb. So uh, I, like I guess that's that's just the thing, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Oh, speaking of bad edits, uh, can we talk about the edit at the very end of the movie? Oh, yeah, the in memoriam segment? Yeah, what the fuck was that? Could you please explain that? <laughs> please, please. Uh, so we... Uh, <laughs> is there a voiceover, Corey? Yes. What's, what's being a, said it's, at it's the point? It's reused dialogue. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. So we got reused dialogue. Um, the dialogue is Drew and Jeff talking, and Drew is like, oh, man, I've never had anybody die before, but you probably get over it eventually. And Jeff's like, no, you never get over it. <laughs> Yeah, and as this is happening, um, you have an aerial shot of like a road and trees and stuff like <laughs> Maine, and then and then 
uh, superimposed on the screen, you have like three second flashes of uh, a circular headshot of a character from the movie in a scene we've, you know, we've seen previously. And it's just them like kind of like smiling or talking like you would see at the beginning of a sitcom or like in the in memoriam segment at the Oscars or something. And it's just all the people who have died over and, the course uh, of the movie, <laughs> over the course of the movie. Yeah. My favorite part of that is that the one for Drew's character or Drew, I guess, because the character is Drew um, is when he's laughing at gus after the resurrection when he's letting all that food fall out of his mouth that's what they went with it's just like him looking very nervous but laughing to try to play along it's very weird it's super weird and i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that like i don't think it's a terrible idea i don't i don't think it lands in this movie at all you could make it work I think you could make it work. I haven't really seen anything like this before. And um, the idea of getting a flash of each of these characters when they were like smiling before all the horrors happened, I think that's interesting. Um, in the original Pet Cemetery, which again was directed by the same director here, Mary Lambert, after um, the child Gage is killed by the semi-truck, as you hear the father screaming... Um, Polaroids begin to land on the road in flashes of Gage when he was a child, oh, cool. and and obviously it's like um, it's not like within the universe of the movie. You know, it's it's a bit of like it just kind of non diegetic non diegetic imagery, and it really makes the moment land. And I think um, if I had to guess, this is sort of mary lambert's response to that and she's she's doing a similar sort of thing and i think it would work if the the film before this had been more like what i love about pet cemetery in that i feel so strongly for the characters and the situation they're in and i feel so horrified seeing what ends up happening to them i think this would be a really cool way to end the movie but because it's coming at at the end of all this ludicrousy, again, it feels cheesy instead of sincere. Yeah, I don't think you could make that work earnestly, ever. Like, in a serious movie. Um, I think in a campy as shit movie, though, you could play it for laughs, but I don't think there's a way to do it in a way that's similar to how it's executed here that you could ever take seriously. Because I think just the image itself is too comedic. Of just, like, a sudden fades in headshot of everybody it's very weird Um, yeah it's strange and then after that we get one more tail end shot of you know like a a helicopter view of the camera just going into the pet cemetery it's super it's 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 weird you know it's kind of like uh we just want to remind you that uh the pet cemetery is to be feared you know yeah it's it's a very bizarre experience i certainly don't think i'd recommend it um not unless you're some kind of like stephen king adjacent completionist where you feel like you have to see everything related to that kind of work i mean fill your boots but like you can spend your time on more fulfilling experiences than this both comedic and serious while still being in the horror genre this feels like like a really messy kind of hodgepodge that never finds whatever footing it's looking for 
Yeah, I feel the same way, man. There's there's a scene in Elf where uh, Will Ferrell brings Zoe Deschanel on their first date to a coffee shop he had visited when he first got to New York City because the coffee shop advertised itself as the world's best cup of coffee. So he blindfolds her and has her take a sip of the coffee and he says, so what is it? And she says, it tastes like a shitty cup of coffee. And um, I, I was thinking about that as we were talking about this movie because um, at the end of the day, this is just like, it's a shitty horror movie and uh, people drink shitty cups of coffee all the time. You know, in New York city, there's going to be a coffee shop on every street corner and you might just go into that street corner and get a coffee because that's what's available to you. And it's not going to taste great, but it'll like still get the job done. And so if you're, uh, if you're ever like in need of a horror movie that like has, stuff in it that makes it a horror movie you know there's blood in this movie and there's people dying and there's flames and people screaming and stuff you know like this this is certainly a horror movie um but there are so many other horror movies out there that your time is probably best spent otherwise you know um the last shot of this movie is is a zoom in on the pet cemetery and the last shot of the original pet cemetery is the uh husband and wife embracing but you know one of them is uh not who they used to be and i think it just shows you that the original movie is like about human characters and this movie is kind of just about you know, the pet cemetery is supposed to be scary. And I think that's a bit of a shame. Um, But if if that's what you're into, if you're just into the concept, you know, sure, you could check it out. And maybe you'll be like uh, Kyle Clark on the This Is Rad podcast where it'll it'll really hit you. But, you know, for my money, I'm more into into movies that focus on the humans and horror that they can face. And so uh, Pet Cemetery, the original is a fantastic movie. And uh, if you're going to check one of them out, I'd do that one for sure. And if you're really looking for a horror sequel to an established thing that comes out in the 90s, we probably sound like a broken record at this point. But for the love of God, make it The Rage, Carrie 2. We're telling you that because we mean it. You'd be far better served by that movie than this one. Um, and yeah, I, and it, it'll scratch lots of similar itches too, right? Like yeah. Stephen King movie, but just, 90s movie. But just be a good movie instead. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good idea. Yeah, so I think on that note, we would like to thank everybody once again for listening to another episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, all one word, on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and your favorite bad Stephen King movie. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. The username is Graham the Mallow. And you can catch me on Twitter at Mr. Corey Price. And with all that said, thank you again for listening. We will catch you here next time for more. They made another one.